I, I realized the people that I was surrounding myself with were not my people. Mm-hmm. I realized that a really long time before, but some tra- traumatic stuff happened, lost a friend to suicide. It was just like, it was like my whole life was, I wasn't able, I wasn't able to like yeah. take care of myself. I was busy helping other people taking care of it. And I was being a martyr. You know, I realized like I, as nice as it is to help other people, helping other people made me feel better about myself, but I was still punishing myself. And then, uh, so and you, it was just this weird. Would it also, would you say it might be a little bit of an avoidance? <laughs> like avoidance, I, yeah. Totally. I, I can't help myself. Let That's me help everybody else. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I was tired. I was, I was not. I am Amanda Hansen, and welcome to the Women Disrupted Podcast. I like to use the word disruption to describe a change that displaces or replaces the status quo. In this podcast, I hope you'll be able to disrupt your thoughts, beliefs, and maybe even your life. I believe that disruption is good even when it is hard. I will share tidbits of how myself and others have handled disruption, whether we have chosen it or the universe chose it for us. There will be debates on hot topics and stories of women who choose disruption to change their lives and the lives of others. Are you ready for a little disruption? Enjoy the ride. We are here with me, Amanda Hansen from the Women Disrupted Podcast and Jacqueline Reinhardt. We are going to be sharing this episode. (laughs) So usually it's just, I invite a guest on and, you know, we talk about a specific topic or, you know, about the guests themselves and their life. But I reached out to Jacqueline because I'm like, I want to share your story. And the thing is, Jacqueline has a podcast. What's your podcast called? The Essence of Jacqueline. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And this, and this topic is going to be so fitting. So I was like, why don't we just record one episode? Let's do it together. Yeah. It makes you so share- much sense. Yeah, you share it on yours. I'll share it on mine. We both have content, and we don't have to double down. Like totally, totally we're efficient. <laughs> and I get to stare at the beautiful Jacqueline in the dress that I've styled her in, oh, and her no! hat, earrings. <laughs> I wear the boots, but I, I'm in the house, so right. I actually am yeah. in bare feet. Yeah. But. <laughs> I don't think most people have worn shoes. All of my clients that I've had this past year, they're like. I don't even look at shoes anymore. I don't wear shoes anymore. You know, though, I, I put them on in the house and, and I will walk around and I'm like, I've, and even like my summer shoes and stuff, I'm like, "Mm, I love them. So I I I put them on and I, but that all ties into stuff that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We'll get how it makes you feel. We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) So when I first met you, it was at a woman's networking. It was an awards. It was no, uh, the women of influence. Ladies of Influence. It was, you know, that unfortunately that group doesn't exist anymore, but it, we, we, oh, no, 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 it doesn't. But anyway, um, we were doing the awards and Jacqueline was our entertainment. And so I'm the type of person when I scan the crowd, I look for the outlier because that's who I identify with. (laughs) And you came up to me first. So like, I didn't seek you out. You sought, you sought me out. But like, you, to me, you were the outlier because you, well, obviously you have a beautiful voice. And so you, you. the music was incredible the whole evening and your voice is incredible, but honestly, it was your blue hair. It was your blue hair at the time, which you no longer have. At the have. time I did have blue hair. That's right. But to me, like, that's the outlier. That's like the people that stand out that don't blend in with the crowd. I feel like now your hat has kind of replaced that your, your, your love of hats is, is that outlier for you. It's the thing that makes you stand apart mm-hmm. from others. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of the blue hair, now you, you embrace the hats. Would you agree? That's kind of like, absolutely. And I never really thought of it like that until after, because mm-hmm. when I started, when I met you I had the blue hair, but it was, it was uh, later on in the summer that I had decided that I was going to say goodbye to it after eight years of colored hair with 98% of that being blue hair, but I've had a couple other colors, but uh, mostly blue. And I was always known for that. And uh, I'm still known for that, which is funny when people refer to me that way. Um, but I'm like, mm, you Not know, it's, it's, that's retired, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it does, it, it, it definitely is something it's a conversation piece. Um, people stop me when I'm out in St. John or wherever I'm at 
you know, and, and they'll compliment me. And it's, it's, it's great. I don't know. It just makes me feel, just makes me feel like, I don't know, there's just an up level something. Yeah. And I love the way it, it's, it, it is a conversation piece with people, but I just love the way I feel in it. Awesome. So when we met you, well, so you came up to me cause you're like, Ooh, you're a stylist. I think you're we need stylist. to talk. I think we need to talk. And so we just started following each other on social media and eventually you did hire me and we'll, we'll get to that. But I want to talk to, I want to talk about at that time when, when I started to follow you, cause I haven't followed you for years, but I, you know, I was paying attention and I see, I saw that you were making some changes in your life at that point, you had already given up drinking, but I don't yep. know the story behind why and, and what that intention was. I, I know that you were making some different changes and habits in your life. You were changing your view and mindset around yourself and some very like strong self-acceptance, self-love um, themes. And it seemed that I got the impression that that wasn't always the case. You would be correct. <laughs> so tell, take me to like, what, what was Jacqueline like before? Oh, she was a really nice girl, but she was really mean to herself. Mm. <laughs> she really, she really, really had a hard time loving herself for sure. So when I moved to St. John about three years ago, so in 2018 in the summer, and, um, you know, I could go back even further, but a, a quick way to update you too, I think a lot of the reason why I felt so low was, um, there was a, I had, I had a really sort of high point about eight years ago when I was doing my second album and I had a lot of attention and it was awesome. And I had lost weight and I, I you know, it was just this, I, I don't know, like this, this persona that I had and like the sort of this rock star life, if you will, I mean, mm -hmm. a maritime rock star life <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and my kids lived with me and then my kids went and lived with my ex-husband for a little bit. And that wasn't a bad thing. It was just that he wanted the opportunity to spend the, like that family time with them. I had had them alone for the first three years after we separated, they went to live with him. And then I was with, I was weak every other weekend, mom, and half the time in the summer, mom. And a lot of people don't realize that, um, mm -hmm. a lot of women don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like that is really uncommon. And at the time it made sense for our life. And I thought, oh, you know, he's, he's got a partner. They have a house. There's a dog. They had a great life. Like, and we had a great life when I had the kids where I lived. Um, there was nothing entirely wrong with it, but I was really busy with music. I was rehearsing once or twice a week. We were gigging almost every weekend. I was, I was about to launch a record. And then when they went to live with him, that halted, like everything halted because I just, I got depressed mm. and I spent the next four, four and a half years in a really depressive state. Oh. Um, it took me another two, three years to finish the record after they went to live with him. I didn't know how much it was going to affect me, but it killed yeah. me. Like it, it, it killed my spirit and it was really hard. Um, so not to go in too much more about that, but I'll tell you, there's a, I think this isn't a stigma thing. This is a personal thing. Like people, you know, think that women don't do that. Um, and that's where, where I struggled so much was like that persona that mm. I was the mom that didn't have the kids. So therefore people probably thought that I was a, you know, a bad mom or something bad happened when it was my okay. And I went to lawyers and everything was kosher that way. But the decision itself was detrimental to my spirit. And I, if I could take it back, I would. Um, but I don't know that I entirely be the person that I am now. Right. Um, it's really like my kids have lived with me full time again for the last three years. And uh, I absolutely love it. But that chunk of time from, you know, that chunk of time where they weren't with me. Um, I really I think I did. I, 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 I'm hard pressed to call myself an alcoholic, but I think that I did experience way more alcohol abuse than I ever realized. Mm -hmm. And I just saw myself spending time with people who were in that space, who really like didn't respect me and didn't respect because I didn't respect myself. Yeah. You know, my, my reflection back was that I was punishing myself constantly for not being the mother that I thought that I should be for not being the artist that I thought I should be, because that was the other thing, you know, I, I wasn't playing music very much for those few years because I was financially struggling. I was tired all the time. I looked terrible. I was in bad relationships. Like, uh, I mean, like I was in a, an emotionally abusive relationship 
that turned physically abusive. And I lived with him in Moncton for a little while and I, and I had to flee that place. And then when I left there, you know, I was still, I was way more broken than I ever realized. And so, I mean, it just, it was, I don't want to go on too much about it, but a lot of those things really traumatized me. And that relationship, that relationship was the one thing that made me realize how I was allowing people to treat me, but it wasn't so simple coming to that realization. Cause it was still a couple of years before I got to like sort of that part where I started being where I am now. Well, so. it's, it, it makes sense. So when, when you hate yourself and you're judging yourself and you're criticizing yourself, then how, why would you ever think that you deserved anything more than that? No. And, and it was, and when I look back, even the people that I was like the friends that I was with, like their values didn't line up with my values. Um, you know, it was very codependent and, you know, I, I woke up, it was in 2017 and I was supposed to go to Italy with a person that I'm no longer friends with. And we went to Italy and right before then though, I was like, I was ready to not go. Like I, I realized the people that I was surrounding myself with were not my people. Mm -hmm. I realized that a really long time before, but some tra traumatic stuff happened, lost a friend to suicide. It was just like, it was like my whole life was, well, I wasn't able, I wasn't able to like yeah. take care of myself. I was busy helping other people taking care of it. And I was being a martyr. You know, I realized like I, as nice as it is to help other people, helping other people made me feel better about myself, but I was still punishing myself. And then, uh, so and you, it was just this weird. Would it also, would you say it might be a little bit of an avoidance? <laughs> like avoidance, I, yeah. Totally. I, I can't help myself. Let That's me help everybody else. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I was tired. I was, I was not treating myself well. I smoked. I, well, the people that I was with drank every single day. Like, I mean, like the habits and you are a product of, what you surround yourself with. And I was a product of them and they're not innately bad people, but they're not like that phase of my life. Like there was a, like a few little pockets of people when I look back that, um, you know, I mean, I think that they're different now and it doesn't matter. But when I look back at that time that we were there, there was a lot of trauma and there was a lot of yeah. hurts and there was a lot of stuff. So it wasn't just me going through it. I was around other people who were traumatized, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that either. Cause you don't yeah. realize that in the time. So um, and when I say trauma, like, I mean, I, I think I was experiencing some PTSD from that relationship and uh, that I went through that was really emotionally abusive, where he would say horrible things to me and lock me in rooms, like, and not let me leave for hours. Like there was, like, there was trauma. There was absolutely actual trauma. Yeah. So then um, I avoided that for a little bit longer. But then once I woke up about three or four years ago, and I was like, I need to do something for myself. So this is actually an important point, turning point. Yeah. I, what was it? It was, it was one day. So this person that I was friends with, and this is where it hurt the most because people that, you know, they know everything about you and they know how to hurt you. Mm. And we were at a hockey game and they introduced me to some of their friends. They're like, Oh, this is my friend, Jacqueline. She's a poor musician. <laughs> and oh. I went, if you know how important music is to me, and how like music has always been wildly important. Like it's part of my identity. It's the, yeah. the thing that makes me feel the most in the moment, everything. And, but the fact was, is that I wasn't playing a lot of music at that time. Cause I was so deeply depressed. Like I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't come out of it. And when she said that in front of other people and just embarrassed me, I woke up. I remember I actually, I went to the bathroom and I cried like a hurt teenager. And that was the moment that I was like, I'm not, I cannot be identified like this anymore. I can't have somebody. And like, and it also made me realize that that person really didn't care about me as much yeah. as I thought they did. Mm -hmm. And it was very apparent. And I was like, okay. And then, um, I ended up, you know, uh, we went to Italy and then that was amazing. Actually. I mean, it was really <laughs> woke up and, but I said, I mean, I can't, I can't complain about that trip and it was a bittersweet trip too, but that's right. another story. Um, but I remember saying to her, I was like, when we get back, I'm focusing on myself. Like I need time for myself and I need to take that time. And, you know, because I'm not okay. So we came back. Um, and then I, right before that, I had got accepted to Canada's music incubator in Toronto to go there for two months in 2018. I went for March and April, flew to Toronto for two months. And it was the longest I had ever been away from my kids. Like, I mean, even though they didn't live with me full time, 
Um, still saw them. I never, yeah, I was all the time and I called them every day and everything, Yeah, but physically being away from them for two months and going and, and going between like, do I want to be, do I want to pursue this career full-time? Like, do I want this? Mm-hmm. If I want this in this capacity, what do I do? Like it, it was like mid, mid program. I was about April, like first of April. And I remember going, I either need to move to Toronto or I need to go back and take my kids back half the time and just be there a hundred percent as much as possible and no longer like do this. So, um, I did my course and they, and, you know, they told me, this is just sort of a side note, you know, they're like, you can do the same amount of business from the Maritimes as you can from Toronto. And then they didn't know that was before that we were going to have a pandemic. So that all, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) but anyway, so, so that was my, that like, there was like six months of really like waking up. And then I came back to St. John, my kids came back to live with me half the time. I, I found a place. I've got a beautiful apartment here. Um, I love my apartment, but it took the summer to like find it. And Aaron and I, my ex-husband were going to split the kids, um, half and half. That was our plan, but he ended up getting really sick and the kids have been with me ever since like okay. 100% full time. And, um, you know, my, my daughter had been failing in school. Um, so I knew that, like, I knew I had to come back. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. He had, he had did the best job that he could, but he didn't know how sick he was until mm later on. And then I was like, the time timing is so crazy that it all happened the way that it did. So then even then, so I'm almost to present day. I still, I, I, I had to like, I had to pull everything together. I was full-time single mom again, no support from my ex because he couldn't, he physically couldn't work. He couldn't do anything. He's a great dad, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he knows that, you know, we, we have yeah. a great relationship. He's a wonderful person. Um, but you know, and, and he was there and had the kids when I was away and when I wasn't working yeah. and, you know, there was stuff, we have a great relationship, but, um, there was, there was a time where, you know, I was in go mode, pulled everything together. You know, I, I built my client list. I was working for myself. I was playing a lot of music like that summer. My bills were paid with music, thankfully. And then I, you know, got the got this apartment and, and I worked for discover St. John for a little bit. And then I built my house cleaning client list because I was working for myself and so that I could play music. And then, um, so, so there was a lot of that stuff. And then I thought that, you know, I thought I had it all together. I ended up in another terrible relationship, but I, but, but this time he wasn't, he wasn't visibly abusive. He was really nice to me. He turned out to be a complete pathological liar. A lot of his name, his age, where he was from, oh, man. Um, his profession, like everything. He lived in Moncton. I was seeing this guy for like three, three and a half months. And it was traumatic. And, and you know, some really, I won't get into this part, but some really bad things happened. And I, I was drinking a lot after that relationship because I found out all these lies and, mm-hmm. you know, he had said that he cheated on me and that's my, my cardinal well, sin. And but, it probably triggered some, some, your, your past trauma. It did. So that's when it made me realize I watched, I kind of was observing myself that summer and this was almost two years ago, observed myself. And then I'd seen a friend um, post that she had quit drinking a year before this was in October. And I just kind of like went through the Rolodex of all the things that I was doing when I was drinking and the partying and the people that I was hanging out with and everything. And and like, it was almost like I didn't know to get out of that like single, not full-time parent mode for a little bit. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, what am I doing with my life? I'm like, and I was really hurt. And I thought alcohol does not help me heal. Mm-hmm. And it's not the bottle of wine that helps you get past something once in a while. That's okay. Don't get me wrong. I do not criminalize alcohol, but the way I was using it was not okay. No. And, and there, and there is a difference. Um, I, I, you know, if there is a mental illness or trauma that is mm-hmm. not being treated or healed, Yep. then drugs and alcohol are, we need to cope. We never yep. to survive this yeah. world. We need to find ways to cope. So if we're not finding ways to heal and cope with, you know, a counselor or psychologist or medication, um, then we will find other ways. And it's usually through drugs and alcohol. Well, and being self-employed, I never had benefits. I didn't have access to some of this stuff. So, yeah. you know, I, I it was never an option for you. Yeah. But also because I'm a musician, there's a wonderful, um, uh, uh, 
I guess they're a nonprofit organization for people in the music industry called Unison Benevolent, and they do offer some counseling through like EAP and stuff. So I'm saying that to anybody who is one of my fellow musicians, like, please check it out because honestly, it saved my life. Um, my, my friend had posted about not drinking. I contacted her. We started talking. I said, okay, well, I'm going to pick a date and I'm going to give it up. My goal was not to like quit drinking and then have a time that I would drink again. It was like, I knew I needed to heal. So I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a week, a month, a year, forever. I don't know. But I picked October the 14th and I went out and I got blitzed on the 13th. (laughs) (laughs) We went to an open mic at uh, just uptown or whatever. And I played music with my friends and I told everybody, I'm like, I don't know, I'm going to give it up for a bit, but I'm going to have a last hurrah right now. And you know what? I never looked back. And that was a year and a half ago. And um, I really, I dealt into counseling. I just put myself first in so many more ways than I had before, because I think like the dust had cleared on a lot of other stuff. I had some roots now and now, like I, I, I was in survival mode for so long, mm. you know? And then uh, I almost didn't record my album actually. So last January, um, January, 2020, I had a conversation with my grant officer and I was like, I'm going to pay back the grant and I don't think I can do this. I'm like, I can't take time off to go to Toronto and do it with the producer that I'd planned to do it with. And then she said, oh no, we can just readjust it and you can record here and whatever. And and so I was like, oh, okay. So I had a crowdfunding campaign, raised the rest of the money. Anyway, that's like, brings me kind of to present day because I've spent the last year um, really recording an album working on myself, my branding. And when I started that album, that's when it set into motion. Okay. How do I identify myself in this new space that I am? Mm. Who am I now? And how do I, how do I express that to people visually and, and show them that I'm not the blue haired, like pop punk girl who just drank all the time and, you know, didn't care and partied and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fun drunk by the way, but (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I have absolutely no doubts about that because you are so much fun sober. Oh yeah. And, and I, you know, it's not that I'll never drink again. Like I, I don't, there's no absolutes with me. I just, I just say that right now I haven't accomplished what I came here to do yet. Like I'm not, I, I'm definitely worlds better than I was two years ago, but, or four years ago or whatever it was, but I haven't reached that point where I feel like I could go out and not feel like I needed validated by attention from people Mm. through alcohol and stuff like that, because that's, that's what it came down to. It was, it was like just searching for this validation with people that, well, you couldn't, you couldn't, at the time you couldn't give it to yourself. And when you can't, when you can't give yourself your own validation again, naturally, I mean, we need it. Like we yeah. need it. If we can't give it to ourselves then we are going to look for it elsewhere. Oh my and gosh. At, and no matter who we are and mm-hmm. we all do it to a certain level when you're feeling uncertain or you're feeling you're not good at something or you're not right. being successful. And so I kind of experienced that a little bit myself when I start my own business because it was my first time. I was my own boss. I, I had to make the decisions. I was my brand. So people didn't like my brand. Then that mean they didn't like me. And what does that mean? And, and how I like to style and my approach to styling my clients is so different than the norm. And so I, and I recognize that. And so I thought maybe I'm doing it wrong. And so I, you know, when I was first starting my business, I needed external validation. And that felt so weird to me because like, I was always a fairly self-confident person. I think mm-hmm. we all still, we all still need some external validation. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. We, we all need it, but I never felt it to that level. And it was wow. messing me up because I wasn't used to having to rely on others validating me. And it really messed up my head. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can eat away at you if you let it spiral. And well, because my- it's, we can't like, again, we, we need some external validation. I, I believe we well, do. We want it from our friends, our family, exactly. whatever, but we and, can't be our end all because then it's like, you're constantly having to adapt to what others expect of you or what they well, think of you. And then you can't actually be yourself. Well, that's what happened with me with music, to be quite honest. And I think like, sorry, I'm relating to all that because mm. music is technically a business. And the thing is, mm-hmm. is like people like me that put on a hat and put on makeup and go stand on a a stage or however you dress as an artist, 
you don't do that stuff if you don't want some external validation. Mm. I'm sorry, but if music makes you happy and you just play music in your basement, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is a certain type of person and you do have those feelings to get up on stage and share this part of yourself. Like you're a performer, you're a performer. But, but the, uh, well, I mean, a performer, but even in any business, it's, that's yeah. part of your essence. Like, yeah. you know, my, and that's why it's the essence of Jacqueline, uh -huh. but <laughs> like, is that, that like, you want to share something with people, but I mean, nobody wants it to fall on deaf ears. No. And, and if people, I mean, one thing that I understood after, especially after going to Toronto and spending two months, like in the heart of the Canadian music industry and meeting top industry people and sitting in a room with other people who are like Juno not donated, you know, artists and like people who are really working their career, but like normal people, like we're all just normal people. Like I'm a small little potato here, but like my music might make it to a big potato place sometime, you know, like it's mm -hmm. just like, it's everybody's just who they are, but like, there's a fine line between like holding on so tight to that that art and and bringing it along with you but the thing is is the minute that you record it or like the minute that you write it all of a sudden that is actually a piece of you that doesn't exist anymore right like it doesn't always carry with you like I have songs that I can't I can't say I relate to now I relate to old Jacqueline but like anything that I write going forward is new so the thing is is like when you marry yourself to whatever it is that you're expressing yourself whether it's your business or like your art mm -hmm. and stuff like that is that it you feel like you feel like it's an insult to somebody who doesn't like it but like even with me now I'm like if they if they don't like that song who cares I wrote that a long time ago and I write different stuff now so so like there was like a tipping point for me where it's not that I don't care but it's like somebody else might like it and you you have to learn to focus on the people who do like it yeah and then you mentioned self-validation. Oh, that is something that I need to work on even more all the time. Like today it's, was actually, today was one of those days where like I needed somebody to come in and tell me to self-validate because I was like, I had a really weird like day. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it, but um, I was comparing myself mm, to, too much. And, and I think we all get caught up on that. I get caught up in that at least now what I can do is I can catch myself. And so yeah. I have, I've worked a lot on mindfulness. And so mindfulness mm. is really like being able to be present in the moment and be aware of your thoughts with curiosity instead of, instead of letting your thoughts either take over an emotion or letting, or judging your thoughts. I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm, it's being able to check in with my body. And what I, what I practice is listening to my body. So I'm like, Ooh, yeah. I'm not feeling good right now. And okay. What, what's going on with my thoughts? What's Ooh, happening? Yeah. My thought, my thoughts aren't being really nice to me right now. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. What am I mm -hmm. looking at? What am I surrounding myself with? Ooh, this isn't good. Maybe I need to stop or maybe I need to like take a step back, whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, one thing is, is, social media, when I'm looking at other stylists, this is what gets me Yeah. when I'm looking at other stylists, you know, there's, and I get caught up and everybody's doing their own thing. And so I tend not to fo follow other stylists because I then get, I lose my own path. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, no, Amanda, like, this is your path. You do it this way. If you're not happy with your own path, don't look elsewhere, check in and be like, okay, why are you looking elsewhere? Is it because you're not happy with what you're currently doing? What do you need to change? Instead of looking outward for the answers, looking inward. Right. That is, and that's a practice that takes like, that's a, that, that, that is a, exactly a practice, practice because it's something that like one day it's like, one day you feel great and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, like you wake up and it's nine 30 and you're like, why, why am I feeling like this? And then if you like, and I, and I had to check in with myself a bit, but it, it happens often too, in the same way with music, I can go down a rabbit hole of comparing myself to mm -hmm. other artists, mm -hmm. either writing wise or style wise, or like numbers wise, like I can drive myself nuts. And then, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's the opposite way. You can, you can look at somebody and be like, oh, they don't have as many likes as me or like <laughs> whatever. And even though that's a really juvenile thing to do, it happens like you go, you, but then it also kind of checks you in to go like, we're all we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Like we're all in the same boat. So just worry about your own boat, patch the holes yeah. in your own boat yeah. and just, you know, be like, because it's, it doesn't matter if they have a nicer boat, if they have holes, they're going to sink and you can try and help them. But <laughs> I like, 
no, no, I like, no, I like that. No, it's, it is important. It's, it's, it's about focusing on yourself, your own lane, trusting yourself. And that's, what's hard is if you're not trusting yourself and you're feeling chaos or you're not Mm -hmm. feeling that you have your vision. And that's when it's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And so when we don't know what we're doing, we tend to look at, well, what else, what is everybody else doing? Well, I don't know (laughs) if you saw this post the other day that I had, I mean, you probably did, but about the, um, about what my counselor had said to me. Remind me. Um, So I I was in a therapy session last week and, um, I was explaining to her all the things that were happening and stuff and like, and, uh, you know, where my life is at, like with relationships and stuff and like with, you know, music and my kids and, and everything is good. <laughs> like everything was good. Oh, but yes, I was like, yes. I remember you yeah. this post. Well, I didn't like, mention- it's, it's okay to be okay. <laughs> that it's okay. She, yeah. Cause she said, she said, maybe you're just not used to being okay. And I was like, wait a minute. Cause I look around my life all the time. I, I'm a, I, I love taking moments and I do this often is to give gratitude because I have worked really hard to rebuild my life. I literally had nothing three years ago at this time. You know, I had nothing. I was in Toronto, still not sure if I was going to get approved for a grant and had to borrow money to, to live in Toronto for another month eating noodles. Like I didn't lose the weight, like, you know, starving artists do, but I, (laughs) but I certainly, it was, it was scary. It was a scary time for me. And, um, I had nothing and I have rebuilt everything to having this great life, great job. My kids are happy, healthy. I'm healthy. You know, I look around and even mater- I'm not really materialistic, but yet I look around and I'm like, I really like my bed. I really like that plant. Thank you. I really love my rug and my corner couch. Like I, yeah, I check it's it not materialistic to, to be appreciative for the yeah, things that yeah. you have. That, that's not mere materialistic. I think materialistic is like, I need this because everybody else has it and, oh, and, yeah. it, need, and it needs yeah. to give me status and it mm-hmm. means something. It's yes. like, no, it's like creating, it's being able to create a safe and beautiful calming space for yourself and a space that you feel safe in. Right. Like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And, and because, because for so long, I, like I said, I was in survival mode yeah. that I didn't, I didn't get to thrive and really truly bring out who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm still always going to be working on that. And we we kind of evolve and stuff, but like, that's why, and I don't know how much time we have left here, but like, you know, when, when I decided to to work with you as a stylist was like, okay, (laughs) here I am. I know that my closet does not represent who I am and (laughs) what I want to personify and and everything. And people are visual. Like the thing is Mm -hmm. about, about the artistic world and, and everything, whether it's business or if it's, mm-hmm. and music still is business, but all of those things, marketing people are visual people. There's, and some, sometimes people get upset about that, but like, no, it's super cool. Marketing is super cool. Like there's so much to it and being able to grab people's attention. Um, and, and, and if you could do that authentically, you know, it's amazing. So, I mean, I, I noticed little things like, you know, there was a picture that I posted and I don't usually post much on a Saturday because nobody's online and they don't care. And um, I had read an article through Bandzoogle that was talking about like, before you release an album, you, it's important to not forget that it's you're building things more in the pre-release phase than you are after you release it. Because the minute that you release music, it's old news. Right. And all of a sudden you're scrambling to try and make sure that this stays, you know, uh, mm-hmm. top of mind for people. But when they haven't heard it, when they don't know, when they're like anticipating things, like they they eat it up even more. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural thing. Like there's a, there's a mystery to it. So I read this article and it said, you know, keep in touch with your fans, make sure that you're, you're keeping them sort of in the loop and all that stuff. And I was like, geez, I haven't done an update in a while. And, oh, here's a picture that Peter took of me from the photo shoot. And, uh, I, it wasn't, it was one that I thought about, but I, I wasn't really sure about it. And I was like, I'll use that one. Like it it wasn't, I wasn't planning on using it for promotional or anything. I thought like I was taking one that was just, I don't know, like a random one that just a random picture. I liked it, but I, there was, there was, there was something I didn't think that it was going to be like a press photo or like an album cover or anything like that. I posted it at like the, like the least engaging time that you could ever could on the internet, on Instagram and on my fan page. And it got 150 likes. And I will use that number because usually on my fan page, I get anywhere from like 20 to 50 likes on a picture or post. And then if I look the, you know, really good or say something really nice, maybe a hundred, I've never got 150 likes before on anything, on anything on my fan page. 
and it got tons of engagement and everything. And people were like, that's a really powerful picture and that should be your album cover. And like, you know, there was all this interaction. I had people texting me and messaging me and everything. And I was like, what just happened there? Like, like I just, I was giving an update, just saying, listen, I've got the music. I'm not releasing it yet, but I'm still here, you know, whatever. And it just blew my mind. So, but the image itself is kind of dark and mysterious. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I like my hairs across my face and stuff. And I, I fell in love with that, with that whole picture cool. after that. Well, and, and I remember, so your, your vision pictures. So remember how I wanted to see when we worked together, I was like, okay, show me your inspiration for your mm-hmm. album and your photography. So when I'm working with my clients who are either, um, you know, the, who are getting pictures taken, I want to know like, who are you working with? What mm-hmm. is the mood of your photographer? What is the mood for the pictures? And the, I remember the pictures that you sent me, it was very ethereal, right? Like mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. lots of movement. And so that picture, it had your hair moving. And so it, it was, it was, it was a representation of what you wanted to feel and embody anyway. Right. But I didn't catch it at first because I was so focused on something else, but like, but the photo shoot and I still, I wanted to do the scarf thing and I found a scarf, but we didn't get to do that in the photo <laughs> shoot, by the way, they had a fantastic scarf and I still want to do, but then I noticed another artist that's like, kind of close to my genre and lives in St. John. She was doing stuff with scarves. And I'm like, I'm going to look like I'm copying her. So I, you know, I didn't make Peter do it, but, um, and, uh, but she had some cool pictures. Um, but yeah, like you said, there was movement and that's why you wanted the scarf. I think was the, the movement thing. And, and it just happened to be this moment where I was freezing. Like I was legit, like I couldn't wait to get in my car and warm my hands <laughs> because it was so cold that day. I was like, this was in January. Yeah. And and, and I just had my jean jacket on yeah. and, you know, and, uh, and it was cold, but, but the thing is like when it comes to marketing and then when I talked to a few other people, they were like, yeah, that's totally roots rock Americana. Like it just personifies that. Mm-hmm. Like it just, like, if you look at that and somebody said, what kind of music do you think? They might say like country, but I'm, a, I'm okay with people mistake me for country, but I, I ain't singing country. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but show crow crosses over a little bit, but my, and you know, that's fine. But, but, but. The, I'm okay with that because that falls in line with like the branding is like the Americana roots, mm-hmm. the, you know, sort of that, that roots rock kind of stuff. And also I felt like I looked like I was exhausted and just done with everything in that picture. Like, all right, guys. <laughs> it was, so, yeah, it was a really powerful picture and I, I loved it. I think I commented on it. I can't remember, but I remember, oh, I, re- I remember, I remember the picture. But that's, I, I guess my example, my, my thing is, is that like people are so visual they are. and that captured the attention of people because of what the picture sort of invoked in them. They're like, it's a feeling powerful. That's, uh, that's like, and, and, and it just, I, and that was in the word that came through a few times was powerful. And yeah. I was like, but, but I have taken back my power. You have. I have with my health, with my mental health, with my physical health, with my uh, emotional health with like relationships with my family and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people that are directly in my life, you know, and I don't, I make sure that I protect that. Like, <laughs> I don't have time for anybody that that's, if I see anything that's toxic yeah. like feeling and, you're, and you're, you're more able to recognize it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, um, and it's so, and, and it's okay to not keep people in your life that aren't good for you, because I'll tell you, like, once you look back and you're like, how did I stay there for that long? But, but you don't, you can't, you it's can't about how it you feel. It's yeah. No, you can't, especially if you're kind of the lens that you see yourself is skewed at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so when and that you're, was the other, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, but that's the other thing is that like you're in it, you can't see it. So you stay in it longer and then it, and then it takes longer and it hurts you. And then, you know, like I said, my counselor was like, you know, maybe everything's just good. Well, the thing is, is like, I, I was having a lot of anxiety about like uh, um, romantic relationship that I have. Like I've been seeing somebody for a while and although they're really amazing and really great um, and there's been no red flags. I was You're, like, are you waiting for it? I'm just waiting for the other shoe to yeah. drop. I mean, in, 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 if him and I don't work out, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I haven't had anything like this um, for a really long time that seems healthy and you know, that seems like there's nothing to worry about that. I was worrying about things that weren't there. Right. 
like, cause I was just like, okay, I need to look under rocks and I need to do whatever. And it was actually, it was the thing that triggered me the most because the relationships, like the love relationships are like non-love, I don't know, it wasn't love, but you know, those relationships were the ones that really detrimentally hurt me yeah. a lot. Like the, the emotional abuse and the, 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 the pathological lying and stuff like that stuff that I I'm so traumatized by that. I still think about it every day. And, um, and it's really tough. Like I still think of other uh, of, of like a situation like daily and that's going to take me time to really heal from and yeah. I may never be healed from that because those things um you know I, I they never leave scars no and they leave scars and the scars will always be there and and through time and hopefully new relationships will help you heal too right so I when think you- that that says it's they, they do help you heal it's a reflection it's a reflection mm-hmm. and you get to go okay, like, what is that that I like about that human or the situation? And it, it comes back to you when you get to go, oh yeah, that's good. Or that's, that's not good. Or, you know, but everything's well, a mirror. It is. And, and I think what I, I hope you take away from this next phase of your life is that you're no longer looking at yourself through the old lens. And so I think if a toxic person was to come along, you're going to be more apt to either recognize it or get out of it quicker. Right. So, you know, you're not going to make the same decisions you did before. This is very true. And that's something that I have to learn to really trust myself, um, with relationships. Mm. And then, and then also like professionally with music, like, you know, um, I overthought a lot of writing for a really long time. And some of my best songs ended up coming out of like just doing it. And instead of overthinking it, instead of overthinking it. Mm. So, I mean, and, and, and I'm a overly analytical person anyway, like that's, that's, that's never going to go with me, away with me. Like that's <laughs> just who I am. Like I'm a really deep thinker, but that's part of how I can bring out emotions and mm. relate to people with music. Yep. And I just hope to grow that more. And, and these, these things that I went through are all in the album that I just wrote, you know, and, and those things like there's, there's the, the, the trauma, but there's also the reflection and, and knowing that it just takes time to, to heal and to be better. And, and every day is an opportunity for me to like feel better. But I mean, there's some days it feels like it's two steps back. Like today was really hard. I don't know what happened. There was not, nothing in particular, but I think there are certain things that trigger you and then you get to deal with it and go, okay, why is that? Like you said, like you, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, take a minute and, and think about where is that really coming from? Yeah. Where is it coming from? Is it true? Like, and especially <laughs> if, an, if an old trauma gets triggered, it puts your body in that fight or flight mode. Right. And it's not, it's, it's automatic. It's automatic. You, your brain can't even tell your, you, you have to consciously tell, remind your body, like you're safe. Yep. We're good. <laughs> yep. you, you don't need to protect me from danger right now. <laughs> yep. Right. It's hard. It's hard to build those new, those pathways again. Yeah, because in, in some of its habits, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some of it's not even like fight or flight, like death threats, mm-hmm. like it's not like, but, but it's just like compounded. And, and if you, cause once you let it get away from you, yeah. all of a sudden you're just like, you're doing it all the time. And, and that's sort of what I get into too, but you know, I mean, and, and I'm a really reflective person and a lot of this, like, and like I said, like even the, the new relationship that I'm in or whatever you want to call it, like it's, it, it's, ta- it's been the ground that I haven't touched for a really long time mm-hmm. because I'm so afraid of people. Mm-hmm. Like the most, I, the longest I dated anybody in the last two years was like two months. And that wasn't like very much. So this is like, this is something that I haven't even got to this point with anybody. Cause I haven't allowed anybody in cause yeah. I was so scared. So I can control my, my work stuff. Mm-hmm. I can control like a lot of things, but you can't control like the other human yeah it it puts you in a really yeah it puts you in a really really vulnerable position yeah and and he knows all this by the way because I'm very verbal about everything (laughs) I'm like I can't imagine you not saying this (laughs) I'm like like I don't even I'm like I don't even know what to tell you like I'm so emotional I'm like I'm sorry he's like I can handle it I'm like I don't know but we'll see I guess but 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 I but I get that that's the beauty about what's happening with him and I right now is that I can be myself and, and if some point he's not okay with that, or, or he doesn't like that, and or I don't like what's going on, then, then we go our separate ways, but it'll never be because of anything bad. 
And yeah. I said that, like, if, if we don't work out, it won't be for anything bad. And all of this has been really good for me. And so I appreciate those, that, those things because it's been a long time since I had such a nice, healthy right. and fulfilling sort of experience with uh, like a more romantic thing because I haven't let anybody in because I've been so hurt. And the thought of not trusting somebody again sends me completely into a spin that I'd just rather be alone. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it, that's a huge big step that you're taking right now it's one of the scariest steps that I've taken in a really long time. Like I can record an album and spend thousands of dollars and I could like, you know, get a new job and completely rearrange my whole life, but put me into a relationship and I'm a <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> no, I'm not. We have fun. It's good. But I mean, but, but again, it's part of healing. It's, it's like, you know, when, when you're, when you're healing, like a, you twisted your ankle, you broke your yeah. ankle and you have to stand up well, or you have to stand up at some point and it's not always going to feel good right yeah. away. <laughs> yes. So That's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think I'm definitely on the mend and I'm really happy with my life and I'm happy with what's happening with my musical life and things like that. And, and I love that we met and that I feel so good in my outfits when I actually, <laughs> you know, don't look like I rolled out of bed. <laughs> So is your, where's the status of your album right now? Okay. That's a great question. Um, so actually as of yesterday or two days ago, I approved it to be mastered. And what that means is just like the final product. Like that's where all the polishing and everything. So it'll be completely done to give to me after I pay him in about two weeks. But <gasps> yeah, I'm really excited to hear the final product. I really like what I've, I've heard so far. Like, I mean, I've cried. I've listened to them a million times and it's only five songs, but um, I'm going to, it's probably going to be a fall release because um, with summer coming and things like that, like it just doesn't logistically make sense to get my music video together and to get the, all of the marketing and everything laid out so that it is as sort of impactful as possible, you know? Because the, the the industry has changed so much, and right with you know COVID. All, with COVID, and I want to be able to plan a really great release show with my band because I have a new band and they're amazing, and they are have we're having so much fun with the music and like. Well, just, you're gonna we have, have like a sneak peek or like a clip it or like a clip. I don't know. What, I'm not in the music industry. What do you call it? Like a. I I definitely teaser? will be. I will do I will do some teasers because I I need people to get excited about it too. Yeah, I can't. I can't it'll be very strategic and it probably won't be for a couple of months before any ears hear it, but it'll definitely be, it'll be happening soon. <laughs> and but I mean, the thing is in the summertime, people are always busy and they're going to want to get out and they're going to want music for their, for their stuff too. But um, I think the thing is, is like a lot of college people uh, they're, they're at a campus and my, my music's going to live more on like campus and community radio and like Spotify and, CBC and stuff like that. Those are the places where I want to um, focus on. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll wait till the fall when everybody's back in and people right. are kind of settled in for Christmas and all that stuff. So plus it's called sleep with ghosts. So I'm going to release it before Halloween. Like it just, oh, just I love that. yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's I'm... the plan. That's the hope. So cross your fingers that it all goes to plan, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty doable plan. Well, especially that it's, going into mastered mastered is yeah. that what it's called yeah yeah masters yeah we yeah. call it masters so masters, it's okay. like basically you own the track you've paid for it you everything awesome. is done and and it's the final copy that can go out to be pressed to cds and to radio and all that stuff and spotify and streaming and, and they still make cds <laughs> oh yes okay so i did so <laughs> i did decide to do some cds this will be the last time that i ever produced cds i think um well because records you gotta do records records because everybody's but, I'm buying more records than I don't remember the last time I bought a CD I'm buying records now I and I want to get it I want to get a record done for this so I probably will but it's expensive like that yeah. that's a really expensive thing so I'd have to do some sort of a pre-sale but I mean it's definitely doable do a pre-sale um, I'm buying it okay okay good because of the, it will be beautiful like and it'll be your style on it you have to have one <laughs> of course I'm like that'll be my first album that I ever helped style oh my gosh that's so awesome um and uh your name's in the credits so I what mean you have that oh my god that makes me so happy <laughs> it's so exciting um, <laughs> so so the thing is with cds so back to cds I did a crowdfunding campaign last February and March three weeks 
into my crowdfunding campaign, the pandemic hit. <laughs> and everybody's and like, like, oh, we got to hold on to all our money. But you know what though? The people I had eight, about 80 some people come on and support me with that. And, uh, and I hit my goal. I was at actually 107%. Um, so, so it worked out, but I had did a pre-sale with CDs and some people have bought some pre-sale CDs. So I'm going to do another pre-sale before I launch and everything too, because I might as well, if, if there's people that want them, I'm going to be ordering them anyway. Yeah. So there's no point in me not offering that. Yeah. And it will be nice. People like to have the album. So, yeah. you know, I I'm okay with it, but I probably won't do it the next time, but who knows? Who knows? We'll see. We'll see where, wherever the trend goes, then maybe CDs will yeah. be back then. Well, we, we went to cassettes too. So who knows? <laughs> oh no, I'm not, I'm not doing cassettes. You, somebody can burn one if they well, want. I don't, I don't even know how you play them anymore. You don't find them in a whole lot of vehicles. No, if you have a vehicle that has a cassette player, then you probably need a new vehicle. <laughs> There's something wrong with that. I'm sure that the muffler doesn't work either. Like, <laughs> Well, Jacqueline, this was awesome. I'm so glad that we got to to talk about this. And I and I'm I didn't know your whole complete story. I just knew, I came in. You came into my life when you were like on the other side. So I didn't know. Yeah. I knew yeah. there was there wasn't happiness before, and so I got to see Jacqueline post that. And so it was right. just nice. It was nice to hear your story. And I think. Thank you. I think other people, you know, even though they're not going to have your exact same story, they're going to have. No, a story. I hope not. <laughs> no, but I think a lot of people will identify yeah. with, with, with something similar in, in their right. own life. Because it's not, it's not the experience that is the thing that connects us. It's the feelings that we have. Like, it's yeah. not what somebody said, it's how they made you feel. Yeah. So, so I, the things that I felt were probably the same as other people. Yeah. And that's, and that's important to me. And, and I didn't really start sharing my story more until, until probably after I met you, to be honest, because mm -hmm. I was still figuring it out myself. When I met you, I had only, and I hate calling it been sober because I don't consider myself an alcoholic, but like I had quit drinking only like three or four months before that. So yeah. I wasn't even sure if I was not going to drink, you know, it just, it just happened that every week, every month, I just, I still hadn't drank. And then yeah. I got to a year and I was like, wow, I haven't drank for a year. Like I loved drinking <laughs> wine, Stella. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, so, so, I mean, that's why I didn't, but then once the real healing began, I was more confident about, you know, seeing progress for myself. Then I can share the story with people, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And I am eagerly waiting your release and your teaser. And yeah. I will be buying an album, CD, whatever it is you're offering, I will be buying oh, it. That means a lot to me, but I mean, like you're a huge part of this and me feeling as good about it. So you definitely need to have one in your hands. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, I feel like it changed. It did change my whole like persona and my confidence, just like, even yeah. in just as a human, it I is just feel better. It is really important. Like I believe that our clothes are, are just a reflection for the most part, not with every case, not with every person, yeah, but yeah. for a lot of people, our clothes are a reflection, how we're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And well, so I feel good. I should, I should go out and do something because yes. like I'm already dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks lady. And, okay. um, I'm eager for what's coming next for you. Well, thank you so much. You too. And I can't wait to work with you again. So <laughs> I'll, I'll see you around because that'll happen. Okay. Thanks. Jacqueline. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. I want to thank you for listening to the Women Disrupted podcast. Make sure you check out the show notes for any additional information or links about today's episode or guest. If you enjoyed today's episode, then hit the subscribe button and make sure you get all the latest episodes. Also, if you feel that anyone could benefit from this episode, then please share it or give it a review. The Women Disrupted podcast is sponsored by Simply Stylish Inc. and produced by James Higgins Productions. Stay disrupted, ladies. <laughs>